0: Well, we are going to continue on Uh, in Matthew. We're still looking at the Sermon on the Mount this morning. Uh, We'll be in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 17 17 through 20 and verse 48. And you're going to see why that is in a little bit. Um, And that's going to be on page 969 in your pew Bible. Now, as I was thinking about what we were talking about this morning... I think generally, if you were to go and talk to the average person on the street, most people would, would want to please God. And I think most people kind of have, and at least in America, have some understanding of, of who God is based on uh, the Old Testament law, maybe uh, some scripture, New Testament, going to church. And I would say at the very least, if you went and talked to the average person on the street most people for sure know they don't want to make God angry, right? Maybe you've had some of those conversations with folks. Now, I've had many conversations. I used to go to uh, Minneapolis and do evangelism. Uh, when we were at, a, I went to internet a church there, and I would have a lot of conversation with folks. And when I would do evangelism, I'd ask people this question. I would say, where are you going to go if you were to die tonight, essentially? Where are you going to end up? The question I'm asking is, is heaven or hell, right? The big question. And when I would ask people this question, most of the time I would get the answer of, I'm good enough, so I think I would get into heaven. And then people would say something along the lines of, if I'm good enough, you know, I, I helped my grandma, I helped an old lady cross the street one time, you know, I don't really speed, I'm you know, I'm good, I'm good enough. And then they'd usually kind of then go down the road, and I'm not really that bad. You know, I'm not Adolf Hitler. I mean, I haven't done anything super terrible. I, I, so I think, I think based on that, God should let me in. What we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at today, we're going to look at righteousness, we're going to look at the idea of, of what is good enough, who should get into heaven, what's, what's bad enough, what does the Bible actually say about that? And this morning, Jesus is going to be talking about the importance and the relevance of the Old Testament, according to Jesus, and how that relates or intersects with our faith. And we're going to look at a passage that I think can be difficult. It's challenging to understand because we have to do some some work to really get at what's going on in this passage. But I think that it is important for us to understand what Jesus means when he's going to tell us that we are to follow all of the Old Testament. He's going to say, not a dot or an iota is erased. And that actually we're to follow all of it, and all of it finds its fulfillment in him. This is something we must understand. Sometimes as Christians, it may feel easy to ignore the Old Testament. Especially some of those hard books, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, what's going on in there? And so we kind of pass some of that by and skip over, and Jesus this morning is going to say, no, we can't do that. All of it's important. So my prayer this morning is that we are going to see the Old Testament in the light that it points to Christ or speaks about Him and our need for Him, a righteousness that comes from Him that's not based on one we can muster up on our own. Ultimately, this points us to uh, what God desires for us as humans, how we should live as God's people, what good enough is, and what it means to spend an eternity with God. So the question of are you good enough is, is sort of a trick question I would ask people when I would do evangelism, when I'm trying to drive deeper as to what God requires of us and how we really can't get there on our own. So let's look at how Jesus is really going to answer this question for us this this morning. The first thing we're going to see is Jesus is going to say that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And he says this. Sermon on the Mount, this is that same sermon. He says this. He says Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So apparently, as Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, there is some group, some group of people, that is accusing Jesus of bare minimum taking the law lightly, but really more uh, just ignoring the law altogether. Someone is doing that. So... When Jesus says the law and the prophets, just to be clear, as we're going forward, and when you read your New Testament, he's not just talking about the first five books of the Bible. He's not just talking about Leviticus or, or Isaiah. That is, is, is code for the Old Testament. Um, when, when, the, when the New Testament was written, when the Gospels were written, they didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. Genesis through Malachi, this is what Jesus is referring to. So, someone is going around and apparently accusing Jesus, saying, you don't take your Old Testament serious, Jesus. You want to abolish it or get rid of it or or move on from it. Now, this group, by the way, is probably the Pharisees. They're Jesus' adversaries all throughout the Gospels, and they're always fighting against Jesus' earthly ministry. And I think this is especially true because he mentions them in verse 20. So Sermon on the Mount, if, if you just picture this, he's sitting up on, on a hill. There's a crowd in front of him. The Pharisees are over at the side, and he's preaching this sermon. And the Pharisees are sitting there. Now, just a reminder of who they are. As I said, we've got to do a little background on this. They are strict adherents of the Jewish law. They are very well received in their Jewish community. They're a reform movement that's trying to change Judaism and make it more strict, and they are generally well-liked. And they're really strict, especially in matters of tithing, cleanliness, fasting, and Sabbath observance. So they're doubting Jesus. And I just imagine Jesus sitting on this, on this hill, preaching, and he looks right at him, and in verse 17, he says, no, 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 guys. I haven't come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. I haven't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. This is an unbelievable statement from Jesus. He's saying, I am the one who fulfills the law and the prophets. All of them, all of it, is pointing to me. I bring it all into completion. All of those books that you you love so much, it's all talking about me, the Christ, the Messiah. That Old Testament, Pharisees, you love so much, it's pointing to me, Jesus. And he's going to say, not only has it been pointing to me, he's also going to say that it's really, really, really important. Really important. He's saying, I completely agree with you, Pharisees. It's important. He says this. He's looking right at him, probably. He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He said this, and they were probably clapping, saying, yeah, we like this. This sounds really good. Jesus comes out, he says, clear as day, the Old Testament is important. Not a a dot, not a cross of the T is irrelevant. It all matters. Now, sidetrack here a little bit, but this is important. So Jesus says the Old Testament matters. He fulfills it. There's a group of Christians. They call themselves red-letter Christians. And all they say that matters is the words of Jesus. They say, that Old Testament, ignore that. None of it's really true. It's all a bunch of hoo-hockey. Just ignore, is hoo-hockey, is that an Iowa saying? Or is that just a Minnesota thing? You're like, hoo-hockey, what is that? I don't even know what it is, but apparently... Comes up in my brain. It's it's just a bunch of garbage. We can ignore it. Some of that stuff Paul says, it seems a little sexist, so let's let's throw that out. Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you're going to be a red-letter Christian and you're going to follow the words of Jesus, I don't know, those words are in red letters. They seem to be pretty clear. If we're going to take Jesus seriously, he says that the entire Old testament not a period a dot it all matters and here is the key the old testament is actually key to interpreting the new testament we can't fully understand the new without the old jesus says none of it passes away not until heaven and earth and this is an idiom from the uh, from the first century that basically means this isn't going to change until hell freezes over it's not changing this is important Then he says in verse 19, Therefore, because it's important, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. All of the Old Testament points us to Christ. He is important. We must read it. It is important and we must read it through the lens of Jesus. We can't just throw it away because it's hard to understand. But read it through the revelation of Christ. This is the key all of the Old Testament points to and finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. All of it. And then Jesus is going to say that it all points to me. It finds its fulfillment in me. And he's going to look back at the Pharisees and he's going to say, Pharisees, you don't get the Old Testament, and you actually need a different type of righteousness. And here's what Jesus is getting at. He's looking back at the Pharisees, and he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that, and this is a righteousness based on the law, by the way, of what they, how they would be hearing it. Unless you have a righteousness based on the law that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is what the Old Testament is funneling us to. It's pointing us to our need for us a Messiah. And Jesus, he brings the Pharisees back in the picture, this very religious, uh, righteous group living in the community, and Jesus looks at him and he says, you have to be more obedient than the Pharisees, or the kingdom of heaven is out of reach for you. Verse 20, when that crowd heard this verse, you could hear minds going, just, they would have, their minds would have been blown. They would have looked at the Pharisees and they would have looked at Jesus and they would have said, Jesus, that's impossible. We can't be more righteous than those guys. There's no way. It'd be like me telling you, find the most righteous, holy pastor or missionary and look at their life and follow them around for a few weeks and say, that's not even close to how righteous you need to be. That's what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is making a point here. He's making a point that the Pharisees and those in the crowd, they don't understand what righteousness is. They don't understand their Old Testament properly. They don't understand what the Old Testament points to. And they don't understand that one of its main purpose is to funnel us to the Messiah. The Pharisees are religious leaders, they have two main problems. The first one we're going to see is that they, um, aren't, they're about following the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. And Jesus is going to show them that their way of following the law is just all about following these rules and that they have dead hearts that doesn't allow them to follow the spirit of the law because they, they don't have clean hearts. Secondly, Jesus is going to tell them that they don't get what righteousness is. It doesn't come from external circumstances. It doesn't come from where we are born, obedience to the law, works of the law. Jesus is going to point out that righteousness comes from an internal transformation that they need. Which then leads to be able to follow the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law. So this is, when I'm doing evangelism, this is where I'm trying to get at with people. I want them to see that they really aren't righteous based on the law, but they need a savior. And this is what Jesus is getting at. So he's going to give us examples of the spirit of the law versus the rule of the law. And if you look in your Bible, you're going to see these examples listed throughout the rest of chapter five. And he talks about things like anger, lust, divorce, oaths, and retaliation. And he's using these examples to drive at a point and compare and contrast the spirit of the law versus the rule of the law. All of these examples, by the way, have to do with personal relationships, is how we get along and treat one another based on the character of God, and we're going to get there. So let's look at the first example. He says, um, Jesus is going to talk about anger, and he says, You shouldn't be angry towards your neighbor. Exodus 20, 13 says, Thou shall not kill. Okay, anger, killing, how do those work together? Well, this is what Jesus says, and I'll give you an example. In our first house that Lisa and I moved into, we had a neighbor in the fall who drove me nuts. Okay, he drove me nuts. And here's what he would do. Now, this is Minneapolis. Houses are close together. He would take his leaf blower, and he would blow all of his leaves into the street, And guess what would happen? Have you heard of wind? (laughs) I lived to the west of him. In Minnesota, kind of like here, the wind blows from west to east, and it would blow all of the leaves into our yard. Because he was uh, east of me, I was west, and it would blow them into our yard, and then I would have to clean up his leaves. Now, I'm a little bit type A in some ways, a little bit neurotic. You can ask my wife. And this would make me so angry and so frustrated because he was being so rude and so just lazy. I'm like, who who does that? But he did. According to the law, I never murdered him. I didn't even plan on murdering him. That's good, right? I mean, I didn't even plan on murdering him. I, I followed the law. But Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not what the law intends. He says in verse 22, But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. That's the spirit behind the law, pointing to the Father. The Pharisees would say, I haven't murdered anyone. I'm following the law. But they're filled, if you read the New Testament, they're filled with anger and rage towards others constantly. According to Jesus' standard, they are sinning according to the spirit of the law. Jesus is saying, You aren't following the spirit behind the law, what is truly intended. Let's look at another one. And this is an issue the Pharisees said They would take the law and they would kind of twist it a little bit to make it easier to follow. So this is their view on divorce. And this is picking up in, in verse 31 if you want to follow along. Jesus is talking here. It is also said, whoever divorces his wife... Let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The Pharisees taught that at any point in time... You could go to your wife, by the way, women had basically no rights at this time. You could go to your wife and say, here's a certificate of divorce, get out of my house, and she would be destitute living on the streets. You burnt the pot roast, here's a certificate of divorce, get out. You didn't clean like I like, I like, here's a certificate of divorce, get out. You're destitute. They would say, well, the law says that, but that doesn't even teach, that's not even what the Old Testament teaches. It's a twisting of it that they would make so they could more easily obey it and just divorce their wife whenever they like and just say bye-bye and move on. That's not even what the Old Testament teaches if you actually read your Old Testament. But it's a rule that they made that they could follow. But Jesus says the opposite. The Old Testament says the opposite. The New Testament (laughs) says the opposite. It says, Husbands should love their wives and respect them and care for them and tenderly take care of them and be there for them and be supportive. And divorce should only be of last resort if sexual immorality is involved. Let's look at the last one because this summarizes all of this. Jesus says, love your enemies. He says this in verse 43. You have heard that it is said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers, what More are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? Once again, the Pharisees are not obeying the, the spirit of the law, of the letter of the law. They would say, I love my neighbor, and they would define their neighbor as Jews and Jews that agree with them. Pretty easy to find someone that agrees with you that you like and love them. That's not hard. It's easy to love your family most of the time. But they, they, didn't, they didn't get it. Jesus says that's not the spirit of the law. That's not what it's intended. He said, instead, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And here's the key. The character of the Father. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Instead, the law is supposed to point to the character of God and how we are to reflect that in the world. That is what the Pharisees do not get. The spirit of the law is not just about um, doing the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And this is what Jesus is getting at. The disciples' lifestyle is to be different from other people in the world because it draws its inspiration not from societal norms but from the very character of God. That's what the law gets at. That's what the Old Testament gets at. Even the God-given law, which the Jews had, they had made so practical and just this ethical code and set of rules that they could easily follow and they felt comfortable doing it. But Jesus is demanding a different approach. Not via laws read as simple rules of conduct, but rather by looking behind the law at the spirit of the law, which points us to the character of God. The spirit of the law is this. He says in Matthew 5.48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is the key to understanding the spirit of the law. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. By the way, the Greek word for perfect is teleos. It's far more complicated than our English word for perfect. It's this idea of, of reaching maturity, reaching perfection, reaching completion. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at. We need a righteousness that comes from God. This is what it is pointing to. And this is what I try to do in evangelism. We need a righteousness that comes from God. We cannot fulfill the spirit of the law in our own power. Because we aren't perfect. As our Heavenly Father is perfect on our own. We can't muster up a righteousness based on the law in our own power that surpasses that of the Pharisees. We can't love as our Heavenly Father loves in our own power. We are completely incapable of doing that because of our sin nature. Two things happen. Left to our own devices, we become like a Pharisee, where we're really good at making our own rules and following them, and we set up our own kingdom and our own rules, and we easily follow them, and we think we're pretty good, and we get this sense of pride, and we puff up our chest, and we say, yeah, I'm good. But that doesn't lead to true transformation and the ability to follow the spirit of the law. On the flip side of that coin, if we're striving to follow the law and we're not doing a very good job and we're sinning and making mistakes, it leads to complete and utter total despair because we cannot meet the expectations of Scripture. Part of the purpose of the law is to point us to a righteousness we cannot attain in our own Which if we want to summarize the spirit of the law, it is just simply to love God with every ounce of our being and love others as God loves them. Jesus says that we need a better righteousness or a different type of righteousness than the Pharisees if we're going to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And here's what he's getting at. And apparently I skipped a couple slides, but we need to go from a works righteousness to an imputed righteousness is what Jesus is saying. We need a righteousness that comes from outside of ourselves, but comes from God and then transforms us. The prophet Ezekiel, which we read earlier, he says this. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. This is God speaking here, by the way. God is doing the acting. God says, "'I will sprinkle clean water on you, "'and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness "'and from all your idols I will cleanse you. "'And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit.'" I will put within you, and I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and carefully obey my rules. The Pharisees were not able to follow the spirit of the law because they hadn't been regenerated through faith in Christ. The law isn't the problem. The Old Testament isn't the problem. Our broken, sinful, dead hearts that don't beat for the things of God are the problem. Our heart is the issue that needs transformation. That is the way Jesus fulfills the law. When he says that he fulfills all of it, he is the one who transforms people through giving us a new heart and a new spirit that can then understand God and the character of the God of God and reflect that in our lives. So our practical takeaways are this. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. If we are going to have a righteousness that's better or exceeds the Pharisees, we need to understand this. One of the most important things we can get from this text is both the importance of Jesus and the importance of the Old Testament. We cannot reject the Old Testament and just follow what Jesus says because we truly cannot understand Jesus. Jesus tells us clear as day the Old Testament is important and must be read as Scripture, Holy Scripture. And Jesus is found in every page of the Old Testament. It all points us to him. That is the key to unlocking our Old Testament, is reading, them, reading it with Jesus' lenses on. Now, I want to give you some practical ways to do this, because you want to, if I'm going to be very, very honest with you, that can be really hard sometimes. The Old Testament is confusing. It was written thousands of years ago. It's hard to understand. Something I recommend... If you don't have a good study Bible, go buy one that will help kind of guide you through those challenging passages. They make lay commentaries that are made for the average person that doesn't have a theological education to understand what's going on in those Old Testament passages. If you're reading the Old Testament and you're confused, I don't want you to be confused. Ask me. Send me a text, give me a call, send me an email. I would love to help walk you through that. I don't have all the answers, but I certainly would love to come alongside you and help you to understand that more. I don't want the Old Testament to be scary, something you don't understand. It is vitally important for understanding who Jesus is. All of it points to him. All of it finds its fulfillment in Jesus. So don't shy away from your Old Testament. If you need help, please just ask. Secondly is this, is we need a heart transformation to live out the spirit of the law. If we're going to have the righteousness Jesus talks about, we need a different type of righteousness than what the Pharisees had. The righteousness that Ezekiel is talking about. We need a heart transplant. We need that new heart. Now some of you, you may have been going to church for five years, 50 years, 70 years, and you have never asked God for a new heart. You've never come to Jesus in faith and said, I don't have a heart. I don't have that new heart. My heart is dead. I need my heart of stone removed from me, and I need a heart of flesh put inside of me that beats for the things of God that can live out the spirit of the law. You've never done that. You've never come to Jesus and put your faith in Christ. That's that's what what the Old Testament Ezekiel is talking about. It's putting your faith in the Messiah. He is the one that transforms our heart. He is the one that changes us so we can know and understand the things of God. We cannot do it on our own. So this morning, if you have never repented of your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ for that new and transformed heart. I encourage you to do that this morning. God will give you a heart transplant. He promises to do that. Your whole life is changed from that moment, through faith in Christ. You are what theologically we call, it means you are regenerated. You are a new person in Jesus with that new heart. If you want to do that today, please talk to me afterwards. I would certainly love to talk with you more about that, pray with you, uh, talk to you about what that means for you in your life going forward, about being in Christ, having a new heart, through faith in Jesus. So this morning... I think we have a couple things for good news. Righteousness isn't dependent on you. It's dependent on Jesus. And he is the one who gives you the righteousness you need. You don't do it on your own. It's through Christ. That should encourage you. That should take you out of that point of despair in your life if you've been striving and striving and striving to follow Christ and just feel like you haven't been able to. It is through Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, help us to understand this righteousness that you're speaking of. One that doesn't come uh, through the law, but comes through faith in Christ. A righteousness that, that leads to true transformation. Transformation in our hearts, God. Giving us that, that new heart that gives us the ability to follow you to love you and to love others as you call us to. Christianity is not about just striving and working harder. God, though we should strive for holiness in our lives and to walk in obedience to you, God, but that comes through transformation through the Spirit. God, help us to grasp that and understand that this morning. God, I also pray that that we take our Old Testament seriously. God, it is your word. It is holy scripture. It is perfect. It's exactly as you intended to be. And it points us to the character of God. God, that character is how we should live and look and act. God, it's how we should be run as a nation. We should be run, by, as we, our nation should, should look and reflect the character of God. God, and that only happens as the people in this country live in faith and faith in Christ. God, help us to do that every day, pointing others towards you. We thank you, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.